0: King of glory. We lift up your name. We pray, Father, that as you fill this place with your presence, Lord, that you would now open our ears and open our hearts, Lord, to your word. Speak to us. Bring revelation to us, Father. And give us courage. Because, Lord, it is sometimes a frightening thing when you bring revelation. And we bring our lives to align itself with that which you say is true. Give us courage, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A seat. Hey, can I get a couple of volunteers to bring up the board over there? Thank you, guys. If you're a latecomer and you need a seat, there's some up, up here in the front. We do give a tithing discount for those that sit in the first five rows. Yeah, so feel free to come on up. I'm sorry, All right. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, let's get into the words of it. Let's uh, let's open it up. Open up our Bibles to Colossians. First, Colossians. There is no second question. That's a trick. And if somebody has a house Bible, give me a page number so uh, so the rest of us can find it. Come on, be bold. Eight sixteen. If you have one of the house Bibles. And by the way, about those house Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, uh, then take one of those. There, it's for you. Okay. We'd love for you to have a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible that you can actually underline things in and write notes in the margin, take one of these Bibles and do that. We would love for you to start practicing studying and devouring the Word of God. There are two things, two questions that I would like for us to consider. One is, how do we, how do we align our lives? Wait, that's a bad way to put it. How can I anchor my life in a promise? So if I say to you, by the end of the day, I'm gonna buy you a car, any car that you want, I promise. How do you anchor your life into that promise? That would be pretty significant, especially for those of you who don't have cars. So how do we do that? How do we wrap our life around it? How do we live by it? How do we assign hope? Because we've been talking a lot about that here lately. How do I assign hope Align, hope, anchor myself to the promise. Then the second question that I want us to consider this morning that's connected to this is how do I get myself to a place to where I can actually worship God? Yesterday uh, I saw a couple of SEC uh, games. Uh, Any of you Alabama fans here? Wow. LSU fans? People that don't care. I right, love it. You know, then I can make fun of them. This is a great crowd to do this. Because you know before the game, you know, they all the players kinda huddle together and they start doing this pogo thing, you know? And they're just kind of getting worked up and I'm always kinda love them because they're just coming out and they're like, they got these snarls on their faces and they're just flexing, they're just excited. They're up for the game. All right, and you realize that half of them aren't going to get in the game. All right, which is kind of comical, <laughs> anyway. Like we're not even going to play. Yeah. No? some water. But how how do we get ourselves ready this morning? How do we get ourselves in a place to where we can worship? Do you ever come to church and you feel like just not there this morning? Just don't got it. How do you get there? And here's what's crazy is is that this time should be the easiest time for us to worship because scripture says that if we are Christ followers all of my life is worship. Every bit of it. Okay, how do we do that? We're in the book of Colossians and I want to uh, remind you, we've been studying this for the last six weeks or so. This book was written as a result of Epaphras. This was a man that Paul had led to the Lord and he went to this city Paul had never been to this city, and they were facing some real challenges, so he traveled from Colossae all the way to Rome, 1,300 miles to Rome. Now, let me put that in some kind of perspective. If he stayed in Rome and spent time with Paul, and rested, and talked about some of the things that they're dealing with, and said, please write a letter that I can take back with me, this may have taken him up to a year to make this trip. And a great danger to himself, So what is it that they were facing? What is it that was so important to this man that he would take a year out of his life to deliver this book that we are reading this morning? They were facing some false teachers. They were facing uh, some, uh, some folks that were Jewish that had come to know Christ and were trying to integrate Jewish tradition back into Christianity in a way that was not healthy. There were Gnostics there. We've talked about some. But let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, and I want you to hear some of the words that this man, Epaphroditus, thought was so important that he would give a year of his life, maybe his life, to bring back to the community. He's talking about Jesus here. Paul writes He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things are created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things are created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he may have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Wow, that's a mouthful. Some theologians believe that this actually uh, was some poetry that was written for the early church. Maybe even a song that was created that Paul is repeating here. And what is he talking about here? We talked last week when it says he is the image of the invisible God. We talked about Jesus being God. That his enemies understood that he was making that claim. His disciples eventually understood that he was making that claim. And Jesus himself made that claim time and time again. And we talked about the revelation of that last week. But this week I want us to talk a little bit about this next verse. For by him all things are created, things in heaven and on earth. Listen to what it's saying there, that by Jesus Christ, everything in the universe and on this planet was created, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Now, Jewish literature would help us understand what that means. What Paul is talking about there is, all the creatures in heaven, all the angels, everything that we cannot lay our eyes on, but are in authority in God's known world. Christ also created those things. And listen to this. And things were created by Him and here it comes. For Him. Everything for Him. What does that mean? Well, let me try to tackle a couple of things. The first is... I want you to grasp the fact that if Christ created all things, then He is the unchanging one. God is the unchanging one because the Creator is the one that has no beginning and has no end. Scripture says He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That He is unchanging. The Westminster Catechism says He is infinite, eternal, and unchanging in His being. God's nature or character is immutable. Now that word means that it's the word mutable, or that ability to mutate or change, that God is immutable. That is, it is, He is never worsened or better. He remains the same. God does not change, indeed He cannot change, both in His being and His will. Okay. What does that mean? All right, try to grasp this with me, all right? There is nothing like him in the universe. Everything that we know about changes. Everything. You're not the same person you were a year ago. And I don't just mean that you know, you're know you nicer or you're sweeter or you've got a new tattoo. That's okay. I'm talking about like physically you're not the same person. You're not the same person, actually, that walked through that door just a few minutes ago. Your body is in a constant state of change. Everything is always changing. It's funny, I had a professor, uh, R.C. Sproul, that used to always use this illustration that if we were to go over to the Cumberland River and we were to jump in and survive, all right? and we crawl out of the river, and we laugh about it, and then we jump back in, it would be impossible for us to jump back into the same river. That the Cumberland is constantly on the move, and it's constantly changing, and it would be impossible for us to jump back into the same river that we jumped into two seconds earlier, because it's in change. And so we all, all say, yeah, okay, everything's changing. I remember, you know, when we were kids, we used to joke about that, you know, your skin is, the cells are always dying and you know your epidermis. Do y'all ever have that joke in your kids your epidermis is showing? <laughs> uh, the fact that some of you just laughed at that, <laughs> y'all are an easy crowd. Grasp <laughs> this. God is not man. This is Numbers 23, verse 19. Alright? This is a good one, guys. 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So God is unchanging. The second thing that I want us to grasp in the reality when Christ is called the Creator is that God's glory, Christ's glory, is complete. What I mean is this. God is glorious in and of himself. He doesn't need anything or anyone to enhance or add to his intrinsic majesty. What he does comes from who he is, not from his need. So the first thing is that God's not changing. He is set. He's the only thing in the universe that is not in a state of change. He is the only constant. The second thing is, He is complete within Himself. In His unchanging nature, He is completely satisfied. He is completely content. We can even say that God's joy is as full as it could possibly ever get and it stays at that place all the time. I mean, think about it. Think about a God who wasn't satisfied who wasn't fulfilled, who felt like his glory was a little less than what it should be, or maybe wanted a ham sandwich and just couldn't have it. I mean, put it in our terms, you know? I would really love a milkshake tonight, but you know, if I drink that milkshake, then I'm going to go to bed, and then I know what's going to happen, I'm going to wake up with three new hips, you know? Everything comes from a place of celebrating God's glory. Everything He does comes from that. He does it for His own glory. Remember we read the passage that all things were created by Him and all things were created for Him. Everything was created for Christ. Why? For His glory. To reflect, to celebrate, to magnify, to display His glory. Okay. I was reading this week. I know it's strange, and I came across a story of this bird called the red knot bird. Have y'all ever heard of this bird? No. The red knot is a is a uh, it's a kind of a sandpiper that lives uh, off the coast of Argentina, way down here. Okay, not important, but South America, and it lives in the furthest tip of South America and every, every February. These birds make a migration. And they migrate, what is it, 18,000 miles. They travel from the southern part of South America and travel all the way up to the east coast, up to Delaware. It takes them almost the entire spring to get there. When they get there in early summer, mating season begins, and the female red knot begins to lay eggs. As the eggs hatch, they begin to nurture their young. And when the young are old enough to take care of themselves around the little family tribe, mama leaves. Let's just hear it for the mamas, you know? And here's the beautiful thing, is when mama leaves, daddy stays. The male sandpiper, the male red knot stays with the children, all right? And mama begins to take the long trip back. South America. And here's what's amazing about this. is because a week later, Daddy leaves. and grasp this. All the youngins are now growing strong. And in late August, all the youngins, without any parents, begin to make the journey. The journey all the way back down here, 18,000 miles to South America. To join mom and dad. How would he do that? Does that astound? You? Does that leave you in really? Or have you watched way too much National Geographic? <laughs> Why would God do that? Why would God create the red knot bird? For his glory. For his glory. See, if God is completely satisfied, then everything He does is for His glory. His reputation is at stake. Now let me tie this into promise. Remember, how do we anchor our lives in promise? Listen to this. God's promises to us are not based on what we've done. They're based on His glory. His love for you. It isn't based on how whether or not you deserve His love or you don't deserve His love. It's based on His That he's displaying through his son Jesus Christ his care for you his promises of never leaving and never forsaking you Are they based on whether or not you're good enough for it? No, it's based purely upon him revealing his glory through Jesus Christ his son Promises are only as powerful as the promise maker you know, uh, have you ever been stuck in the mud? I don't mean like uh, figuratively, I mean literally. You ever got your car stuck in the mud? I mean like buried down, the trunk is underneath the mud kind of thing. And you're praying that somebody would come along, and when you see somebody going by on a moped, you're not going, yes, my prayers are answered. Hook his chain up to the back of your license plate. Ding, ding, ding. hold me up. You know, because You know. You may promise all you want, but you have no power to deliver on the promise that you've made. Our unchanging God who does everything according to His glory, which He has poured out on us through His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the monster truck of pulling us out of the mud. That's right, I just called the Lord a monster truck. (laughs) How does someone hang on to a promise? you know who made the promise. If I promised to buy you a brand new car at the end of the day, you would chuckle, wouldn't you? Yes, I would chuckle too. <laughs> but if someone who owned a car lot and was very wealthy, said, yeah, I'd love to give you a car by the end of the day. Boy, you want to talk about aligning your life? You would realign your entire schedule to say, what time this afternoon do I come by your lot They cut up? Thank you very much. <coughs> worship. How do we Worship. First, I want to encourage you in this. To answer this question, through Christ is the creator, you need to know that you're made for this. Have y'all ever heard the story of the uh, it's a fable of the the, the uh, baby eagle that falls into the chicken coop? You ever heard of this? And so he grows up and he's not around any eagles, but he's around chickens, and you know, and they keep telling him you're a chicken, and you're an ugly chicken, and you know, there's something wrong with you. Like, you know, you're kind of, you know, and so he grows up with this inferiority complex, And he keeps wondering, am I really a chicken? And he's got these big wings now, and he sees other eagles in the sky, and they're zooming around, and he goes, I think that might be me, but I'm just a chicken. Y'all never heard that story? And then the day comes where he stands on the roof of the chicken coop, and he goes, i believe going on the eagles. And the chickens are all laughing at him and saying, No, you're just an egg-laying chicken. And he goes, No, I was made to soar and he jumps off and lands on the ground and he dies and it just shows you that if you don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> that really killed the story. And so he soars, you know, with this guy, oh you know? You know? Okay, all right, I don't like the story, but it was the only thing I had. All right, so bear with me. Because y'all are going to have to make a huge leap to connect that story to what I'm about to say. It's now your responsibility. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 2 says. If you're in Christ this morning, this is you. You don't have to become it, you don't have to practice it in the sense of making it true. It is true. You are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to God okay wow that's a mouthful that is you why why in God is the unchanging nature and why in his seek of displaying his glory he has done that for you this is why that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his that you may declare his praises. You are the eagle. And what you have been called to, your nature is to worship. Your nature is to give him glory. Your nature is to reflect back to him the glory that he is displaying in this world. So write that in your notes. How do we do that? Well, I think it's pretty simple. That there ought to be, what worship is, is wow. That's worship. Wow. Wow. So, what does it mean to be wild? As I was thinking this week about the uh, the universe, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I was thinking about this, the creation of the world. I started to do some reading about the world that we live in, this universe that we live in. Can I give you a few facts? It's a big universe that we live in. Matter of fact, I want you to imagine with me that we're going to go on a journey. And that journey is that we're going to travel at the speed of light. Does anybody know what the speed of light is? I didn't think so. <laughs> I didn't mean it before I read this. All right. 186,000 miles a second. Okay? That we're going to travel at 186,000 miles per second. This is the speed of light, right? Okay. We're going to leave our earth this morning. And we're going to go... In, travel the universe. We would pass Mars in four and a half minutes. That's how fast we're going. Okay. In five and a half hours, we would pass Pluto and its surrounding moon. The first day of travel, we would have completely left our solar system, and we would have traveled three and a half billion miles. <coughs> Are you with me? Now, don't get lost in these big numbers. Just the wow factor is what we're going for here, okay? So we're traveling speed of light. We just got outside our solar system. It would take us 100,000 years of traveling at that speed for us to begin to see the spirals of our own Milky Way galaxy, which it kind of looks like that for us to see that image we would have to travel at the speed of light a hundred thousand years for us to travel to the extent of the universe as we know it okay now, this is the universe the extent that we are aware of we would have to travel 78 billion light years, at the speed of light, to reach the end of what we know about. In that journey, we would pass 100 billion galaxies. Grasp is the magnitude of this. This is just our galaxy. Each of these galaxies contain tens of billions, and some of them trillions of stars, a hundred billion of those. Unbelievable, isn't it? Well, I'd like to do something here. As I was studying this week, I began to read about the Hubble uh, Telescope, which actually is a telescope that has allowed us to look into deep space, and it allows us to see things that we've never seen before. Matter of fact, what they decided to do was that they couldn't see certain things with the power of their telescope, which is outside the first hemisphere. And so they put a camera in it and then they pointed this telescope to deepest, darkest space where there was nothing there. They opened up the picture and exposed it for over a week to see if there was anything they were picking up that they couldn't pick up by the power of the telescope. You understand me? And they found some very interesting stuff. I'd like to show. Hey, can can we get some help here? Thank you so much. There you go. Thank you, Mitch. And me. I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining these. This is the Cat's Eye Nebula. Uh, in deep space. What is that? We studied, we studied it, and we can't tell you for certain that we know what it is. What's the next slide? This right here is a dust cloud that is 100 to 150 times the size of our sun. It is four million times brighter than our sun. I'll go back for a second. Go back. You can't see it, but the cat's eye, that we saw, over here on the left, there's a little speck, that's it. Okay. Wow. You know what that is? They call this the pillars of creation. It's dust and gas clouds. That one on the left there, you wanna know how big it is? It would take you, if you started at the very tip of it, and you traveled to the base of it, it would take you four light years. Traveling at 186,000 miles per second, it would take you four years to travel the length of that. Hmm. Next slide. This right here is remarkable because this is actually pictures of two galaxies that are colliding with one another. See on the rear, the the right end there? Stars are uh, colliding with one another. Yep. This here is a picture of our solar system. This is our sun, with the word sun right next to it. <laughs> you tracking with me? Anybody sleeping in the back? All right, and I uh, got a little Pluto down there. If you zoom in on that, it actually would be a Disney character. Okay. All right, sorry. you see Earth? Now look at how big our sun is. Now, next slide. This actually here is the largest star known to us. And you can't see it, but over to the left there, where you see there's, there's a word called sun, and right above it is a dot. That's our sun in comparison to the star. Go to the next picture. Boom. That really turned out bad. Because, you didn't know that, but that in in the last two weeks that star has gone from round to square. (laughs) Go back to the picture. Amazing. Next Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Okay. Yes, this is dark space. Isn't that amazing? Worship? We were made for this. Made for what? We were amazed. We were made to be amazed at the greatness of our God. We are made to join the choir. Listen to the choir that's singing in Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language. Where their voice, the voice of creation, is not heard. It's funny. When we lose our sense of awe, we lose our sense of worship. When we lose our sense of amazement, we lose our sense of worship. It doesn't have to be deep space that makes us aware of God's creation, it can be this person sitting right next to you. It can be the amazement that God wants to meet you right where you're at this morning. But when we lose that, we become cynical church becomes a political rally where we're not so sure the pastor, the politician, can really deliver on what is promised. Robbie Zachariah puts it this way. He says, fatalism is the creed of a will that is dying to its possibilities and seeks to drag the imagination with it. The Hubble telescope has awakened us by knowledge to the imagination that this universe is greater than we could have ever dreamed. In the same way God's Holy Spirit awakens our imaginations at the wonder of His glory and His unchanging nature, and in that He says, I love you. Can you grab the knowledge and imagination of that? Listen to this. And this is true. If this does not leave you with all, it gives me goosebumps just to say this to you. In Psalm 103, the God who knows the extent of the universe, He knows it stretches beyond 78 billion light years. He says this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is my love for those who fear me. That's his love for you. Teddy Roosevelt. Routinely, after they would leave cabinet meetings, he would escort some of his friends out into the lawn of the White House. And they would look up in the sky before they were headed their different ways to call it a night. And he would look up for the corner of Pegasus and he would recite this. That is is the spiral galaxy of Andromeda and it's as large as our Milky Way. It is one of a hundred million galaxies. It is 750,000 light years away. It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our own sun. And then he would turn to his friends and the men that he was running the nation with and he would say now I think we feel small enough to go to bed, don't we? Listen to this. Psalm 8 says, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place what am I that you are mindful of me the son of man that you care for me but you have made us a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you have crowned us with glory and honor. Why do we declare the praises of God? Is because we've allowed our imaginations and our hearts to dream that that love is true for us. And we are in awe of our God, who is unchanging and says, My love will never change. My promises are always true. And He has created us in the world that we live in. And we live in awe of him. Christ is the creator. All the promises of God are yes in Christ. Are you amazed? Let's pray. Lord, amaze us with your presence here now. And I pray that you would awaken us. Amen. Now let me tell you why I just prayed that prayer. Because now we've saved most of our time of worship for now. We're about to worship. And the reason we did that is because if the Lord is moving in you right now, if He's moving in such a way that He's saying, I am the unchanging one, and I am the one that is full, and my glory I proclaim day and night. I am the great creator. Guess what? He's big enough to meet you where you are right now. I want to really encourage you, in awe of that, Would you worship the Lord? Now, I don't know what you need to do right now to get ready for that. Maybe there is sin that you think is keeping you from really unleashing worship to the Lord. And I want to just encourage you with these words. Christ says that where sin increases, grace increases even more. He is good and He is forgiving and will meet you right where you are with that love. Will you receive that? Do live in that? Will you worship in that?